Well, I want to pray before we jump into God's word. So, Father God, we thank you so much for all of the moms in this room. God, thank you for what they've put up with. And I pray that you would honor them on this day as we honor them. I pray special blessings over everyone in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, today we celebrate moms, which means we have some work to do, right? We're, we're, we're celebrating our moms. But some of us, we are moms, which means we get to be celebrated. When the girls were little, it took a whole lot for Dan to, to celebrate me. You know, they were just tiny. They didn't really know what was going on, except they had to wear matching outfits and pose for a whole lot of pictures and leave mom alone on Mother's Day. Am I right, moms? Right, right? <laughs> now as they're getting older, they're 10 and 12, so I get a whole lot of thoughtful stuff. I get my favorite perfume, which Dan likely smelled in the green room back there. I get gift cards. I get books. They're just very, very thoughtful. But the one thing that I love about Mother's Day is Mother's Day is no chore day for me. I don't do chores. Am I, am I right, moms? No chore day on Mother's Day, which means they do the dishes. They pick up after themselves, which is a miracle in and of itself. But I don't do chores. It must be absolutely, utterly exhausting for them to do chores for one whole day. They get a taste of what we moms do on a daily basis throughout the rest of the year. So on Mother's Day, I think about what identifies us as moms. What identifies a woman or marks her as a mom? Well, let's talk about the obvious. We get our stretch marks. We'll just go on to the next one. What about that perpetual look of exhaustion that no amount of under-eye makeup is ever going to cover? Please don't come up and tell me that I look tired. I know I look tired. Tell me I look radiant. I know you're lying, but that's okay. Thank you for trying. I appreciate it. Another thing that marks, our mo marks us as moms, our houses get marked. The bins of toys. I have a little blue blob of slime that is up on a vaulted ceiling that I can't clean, or more likely I won't clean because it's too far up there and it's dangerous. But what about that there's no pain, like the pain of walking through the house in the middle of the night and stepping on that one lone Lego when you are just getting up to get a glass of water? Oh, that is pain that you have not experienced yet. Our cars get marked. I have found old chicken nuggets in my car. Like, seriously? How can two little people make such a disgusting mess in one person's car? I'm in the front seat. The whole back is, oh, it's disgusting. I feel sorry for whoever buys my car from me afterwards. It, they'll get it. The girls will get the car. Our purses get marked. Toys and books and snacks, they get all tucked into our purse. Kayla, one time, my youngest, she folded up her large blanket and rolled it up and tried to stuff it into my purse one time. Or what about the spit-up mark? Right, new moms, we're like, we brought a change of clothes for the baby, but we forgot a change of clothes for ourselves. <laughs> Another mark of a mom is our ability to handle interruptions. The phone call, mom, 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 mom. Showers get interrupted. I have had to answer some of the weirdest questions in the morning. I'm not even awake and yet, I'm answering questions. I'm like, go talk to your dad. Go, go talk to dad. Our cooking gets interrupted. Our well-intentioned Bible study time. I don't even call it quiet time anymore because it is not quiet time. 
It is mom is trying to study, read, journal, and pray time. But it is certainly not quiet time in my house. But the truth is, we all get interrupted in life. We have small daily interruptions. The flat tire. My husband has this uncanny ability to make a dump run and come back with a flat tire. He gets a screw or a, a nail in his tire. I'm like, you can't go to the dump anymore. You're not allowed. That's, that's, that's too much. Or traffic interrupts us. It's annoying. I mean, here in Grand Junction, it delays us for, what, all of five minutes? Or an unexpected phone call that we, we need to take, that interrupts us. Or we have an appointment with someone, and it gets delayed 30, 45 minutes. We have somewhere to be, but that, that appointment delays us a little bit. But we also have major life interruptions. We might have a delayed or discouraged dream. We might feel like we should be further along in life than we are right now. Some interruptions got in the way, and we're not where we thought we should be or could be. What about an unexpected financial loss or an illness or an injury? A few years ago, I, I tore my ACL and had to have surgery. So that was a financial loss as well as an injury. So, and it had derailed me from some athletic goals. I was training for triathlons, and so it derailed me from, from some of those things. Or a loss of a job. We've heard that a lot in our culture. Today, we have titled the message, Pardon the Interruption, because even though we're teasing and we're joking about moms, we all deal with interruptions. It doesn't matter what stage or age that you are, we all deal with interruptions in our lives. And the Bible is full of these interruptions. People that were going somewhere, minding their own business, living ordinary life, and they were interrupted. I wanna take a look at the passage of the Good Samaritan. This is a story of an interruption and how three men responded. So we pick up in Luke 10, verse 30. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So the principal idea that we pull from the Good Samaritan parable is that some of life's greatest opportunities come packaged to us in the form of an interruption. They're unexpected, but all of a sudden we're faced with a decision. What are we going to do with it? Do we take the opportunity or do we move through and possibly miss the opportunity that was just given to us? I know this, this is Mother's Day and you weren't expecting this kind of message, but I hope that this interruption is a blessing in your life this week. I think it's important for all of us today to be able to see interruptions as opportunities. But in order to do so, we have to have a paradigm shift or a perspective shift. There are three things that will change our perspective from an interruption being an inconvenience 
to being an opportunity. The first thing is that we make some room. If we want to be able to see that interruption as an opportunity, we have to be willing to make some room in our lives. In the parable, the priest and the Levite were appointed leaders in the church. They were good men. They were doing their best that they could to live the life that God had called them to. They weren't bad men. They certainly weren't cruel. They had responsibilities. They had duties to attend to. And the the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was actually a 17-mile stretch, and it was known for thieves and robbers. So they were in dangerous territory. So they were busy, they had somewhere to be, and they were in dangerous territory. So something happened to this man. They intentionally crossed to the other side of the the road, and they continue on in their lives. So many of us miss opportunities, not because we're bad people, but because we're busy. We have duties. And sometimes we're focused on ourselves. We're focused on where we need to go or where we need to be. I have a difficult question that we should ask ourselves. How often do we leave room in our lives for an opportunity? The problem is, is that many of us are hyper-scheduled. And I know I can be really guilty of this. The day rolls on and it's so full, it's so jam-packed full, that if it isn't in my scheduled plan of events, it feels like an inconvenience. If I don't leave room, I'm not going to be patient or compassionate with people. I'll use my daughters as an example. If I'm If I've got too much going on, they bring something to me, and I'm like, okay, life kicked you to the curb. Okay, get up, rub some dirt on it. We got ballet to get to. I just get, we get too busy to focus on what's going on. And sometimes I, I wonder if I'm missing opportunities because I'm too busy. I'm busy doing good things, but a lot of times I'm busy doing unimportant things, Pinterest looking for that perfect meal to cook that night. The fact is, is we simply need to make some room and allow the Lord to give us those opportunities. We just need to be willing and available. Notice I didn't say willing and able. Willing and available for God to use us and give us opportunities. These opportunities are often small, too. We, I think a lot of times we think we're looking for the huge opportunity, When God is presenting us with these smaller opportunities in everyday life. Helping someone with small kids load their groceries into their car. Or don't freak the mom out. Maybe just offer to take the cart back to the grocery store for her. Or what about buying the person's lunch behind you in line at a restaurant. A perfect stranger. Just a small little blessing. So we're making room in our lives, but where do we make room in our lives? We start with our time. We talked about being hyper-scheduled. We need to learn with wisdom what to say yes to and what to say no to. We need to be masters of our calendar. You know, the last few weeks we've been talking about busyness and, and our lives being busy. I know we have seasons of busyness. That's not, there's no guilt trip there. I, I'm in it. I have friends who go through busy seasons. But it shouldn't be a lifestyle of busyness. Seasons of busyness are fine. That happens to us. But it's that lifestyle that we need to be careful of. We just need to create the time. Where in our schedule can, I, can we carve out, can we create some time 
that would make us available. I do this at the girls' school. So when I get there to go pick them up from school um, at the end of the day, I'll make sure I'm not answering the phone calls or texts or emails so that when my girls get in the car, I'm available to them. Sometimes it's something funny. They want to tell me something that happened at school. Sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes I get the bullying issues. Sometimes I get um, a problem with, with a teacher or, or a classmate. But I want to be present with them. Which leads me to the next place that we make room is in our mind. It's being present with people. So we need to stop thinking about we, what, we, what we could be doing or should be doing and focus on what we are doing. And sometimes it's the mundane. Sometimes we're focused on you know, helping a kid learn to tie their shoes or helping, God forbid, I have to help with math homework. That was not my strong suit. And ah. <laughs> Sorry, little rabbit trail there. But what we need to be focused on what we are doing. Put the phone down, social media can wait, Pinterest can wait. Can you tell I have a problem with Pinterest? Hi, my name is Amelie Hooper. I, have, I am addicted to Pinterest. I need to, I need to put the phone down. <laughs> the Good Samaritan stopped and loaded the hurt man on his donkey. He had room in his mind to be able to help a hurting man. So you could easily assume that this meant that he was walking. So he was on the donkey, he got off, he helped the man, he put him on his donkey. Now he could have ridden with him, but let's assume for a second that he was not, which meant that he had had to walk, he had to use more energy on that 17 mile stretch to get this man to a safe place. He also used his resources, so the donkey, the oil, the wine, he bandaged him up. So that's the third place that we make room, is in our money. The Good Samaritan paid the man's expenses. He used his own resources to help the man in the recovery process. I see this in our church a lot. Not somebody putting somebody on a donkey and walking them to an inn. Not that. I don't see that very often. I love our church, though. Because you are an incredible, generous group of people. I have seen time and time again people anonymously, you don't even want to be known that you've done it, pay for Amped, pay for um, a different retreat of some kind, pay for back-to-school clothes or back-to-school supplies. Um, just a couple months ago, we had a woman find out that a family's car had broken down beyond repair. She actually went out, hunted down a car, got a friend who was a mechanic, and checked the cars out and purchased a car for this family. It was her idea. She came to us. She asked us how she should handle that. It was her idea. She followed it through all the way to completion. She wanted it to be anonymous. They ended up finding out anyway, so whatever. I didn't tell, I promise. <laughs> I did think it was very cool. But that's you guys. That's you guys. And you know, we just mentioned the car. It doesn't have to be a car. It can be something small. You know, five, ten dollars, twenty dollars, it helps people. We can't help everyone, but we can help someone. We can be a part of something bigger when we just go, okay, God, what are you giving me right now? I can help someone. So, if we don't make room in our life, in our time, in our mind, or our money, or in our energy, Interruptions will look like inconveniences. 
But another way that we change our perspective from seeing that interruption as an inconvenience to being an opportunity is that we lift up our head and we open our eyes. We see this in the, in the parable. When I was um, growing up, I played soccer, and my coaches taught me that I had to keep my head up. If I was staring at the ball, I wasn't going to be able to see what to play. And so with the ball at my feet, I would be able to watch the field, and I would know if I was going to play the long ball across the field to an open player. I knew if I had a player off to the side, I could play there, and I could make a run, and, or I, if I was going to be taking on a player. So what that did was that gave me the ability to see where my opportunities were. But you know what it also did? It showed me where my opportunities weren't. So I wasn't going to play the ball into the opposite team. I could see the field so that I knew where to play and where not to play. And that's, there's wisdom in that, knowing where my opportunity is and where my opportunity isn't. We see in the story of the Good Samaritan that all three men saw. It's not that the priest and the Levite didn't see the man, they didn't just walk by, it actually says in scripture, they crossed to the other side of the road and kept going because they had to stay clean. But the Samaritan saw and was moved. This was a heart issue. It was the way that he saw the man and had compassion for him. See, the way that we see determines the way that we feel, which determines the way that we respond. The way that we perceive an interruption will determine the way we feel, and how we feel about that is going to determine how we respond. The, the good Samaritan was an ordinary man. But when God uses someone, he doesn't care about our credentials. He cares about our heart, our heart issue. Are we willing and are we available? Having the right perspective about any situation that we encounter is going to determine our response. So having the right attitude or the right perspective. If we see an interruption as an inconvenience, we're going to feel annoyed or frustrated. If we see it with disappointment, we'll feel discouraged and we're going to respond accordingly. Likely crossing over the side of the road and avoiding it. Avoiding the opportunity, avoiding that interruption. But if we see someone that's hurt, we'll feel compassion. If we see it as an opportunity, we'll feel courage and anticipation and respond accordingly to that. Anticipating that God is about to do something in, in us, through us, and in the life of another person. Having the courage to, to take action on it. That starts with the perspective change. God, what are you doing? How are you going to use me right now? Do we have our heads up? Do we have our eyes open? Are we really looking for opportunities? I love the story of Moses and the burning bush. Moses is one of my favorite characters. I hate to say character, but one of my favorite people in the Bible. Moses had his head up and his eyes open. Let's take a look at the account in Exodus 3, starting in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, 
I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. The account goes on to call Moses as, uh, to be deliverer of God's people. But what I love is that Moses allowed himself to be interrupted. And that was a pretty good interruption if I do say so myself. Made me burning bush. I think though about my reaction, I'd be, it's burning, it's on fire, throw water on it. But Moses responded because he saw. He had the right perspective. It was the way he was looking at the opportunity. And he had no idea that he was walking into an opportunity that was tied directly to his destiny. So we see in this account that Moses, being a shepherd, was doing what shepherds do. He was grazing the flock. And then there was a curious sight, so he decided to approach it. But what I love in verse 4 is God's response to Moses' response. When the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Opportunity? Approach the opportunity because he had his eyes open, seeing a curious sight, seeing it with anticipation, and then God called to Moses. It's not like it all happened outside of this, okay, burning bush, I'm about to talk to you, go over to that burning bush. He, he went to the bush, he responded to the opportunity, and then God called and instructed him. I feel like we should be like Moses, we should see the opportunity I certainly want to be the type of person who sees the opportunity and then allow God to call me from there. But we have to approach. Moses had room in his life to be interrupted, and he had his head up and his eyes open. So the third way that we change our perspective about interruptions is we magnify the opportunity. We're making room in our lives we're lifting up our head and opening our eyes, but then we need to magnify the opportunity. How do we do that? My father-in-law taught me years ago, I was probably 18 or 19, make thanksgiving and gratitude your practice, your routine. And so when we thank God for whatever is taking place, we are magnifying what God is doing. What happens when you have a magnifying glass? It makes it Whatever, whatever it's on, appear larger. Gratitude and thanksgiving does that. When we thank God in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of our busyness, God, thank you for this, we are magnifying what he is doing here on earth and what he's doing through us. When we thank God for the opportunity, we're recognizing the source we're recognizing where the opportunity is coming from. It's not happenstance. It's not an accident. God is depositing this divine appointment into our lives. Then we're glorifying him and magnifying him in the middle of the opportunity. So we make some room. We lift up our head and open our eyes. We magnify the opportunity. That changes our perspective that changes our perspective in the middle of every single one of our stories. We all have different stories in here. In my own family, Dan and I have different stories. So in this room, 
What is God doing to teach us how we can change our perspective about interruptions to being opportunities in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, to be able to, to transform our city? We all have things in our lives that we can carve out just a little bit of time in our calendars, in our minds or our wallets to be willing and available for God to surprise us with an unexpected opportunity. I love that. Being surprised with an unexpected opportunity. We get our head up and our eyes open by looking for small or large opportunities and anticipating that God does want to use us. Every single one of us. God wants to use us. And then number three, we choose to magnify the opportunity by changing our perspective with thanksgiving and gratitude, by thanking him for his hand in our lives. I want to pray before we close and just ask God to work in the secret places of all of our hearts. This isn't a cookie-cutter thing. What is God doing in our minds and our hearts? So, Father God, I pray on this Mother's Day 2016, oh, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts, our minds, our lives, our hands, our feet, everything, God, that you want to send us in to do. But, Lord, I pray that we would be able to see the opportunities that we are to take and have the wisdom to know the opportunities that we aren't supposed to take. God, we bless your name, we glorify you, and I pray that as you plant these seeds in our hearts, that they would grow up, they would be fruitful, and you would transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, you guys. Happy Mother's Day to you. We'll see you next week. Love you.